Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. You know, it's kind of a random episode to put out on Thursday. It's June 29th. Um, But I figure after Sunday's episode, you know, kind of intense, might not have been for everybody. Love a palate cleanser. I love a, a, a whiff of the coffee beans at a candle shop. I wanted to do a shorter episode, maybe just like a casual stream of consciousness. That's like the length of most normal people's podcasts. <laughs> a, because I feel like I, I've done a lot on Patreon, but I haven't done a personal update in a minute on the main feed. And it actually makes sense to put this out today because I don't know if you guys are going to want to listen to me yammer over the long weekend anyway, where a suspicious number of you are suddenly going to have friends with a lakefront home who, despite being a millennial, hurling toward financial ruin somehow found this disposable income for a boat. More often than not, you assume it's like somebody's parents. Or a rental, but I'm just even amazed that people are able to facilitate the foresight of of getting a of securing a waterfront rental for the most popular weekend of summer. And I don't know, you guys. I mean, just like every year, I forget to make plans. And then July Fourth weekend, I don't care about the holiday, but I do care about the foods. I I love a blistery hot dog that's been out in the sun too long. I get so jealous of the mixed grilled meats you guys have access to. I I love like a warm pasta salad or a potato salad when you're playing fast and loose with food safety. At eight months pregnant, that might not be the best idea, but I don't know. Your local friend with critters on his shorts that refers to himself as a grill master will make sure you have something fresh. I kind of just miss like casual, untethered July 4th hangs where you're kind of in a confusing haze about the number of solo cups of alcohol you've had relative to like how normal you feel because all day events I never really feel that different and it kind of makes you wonder if the volume of like burgers and dogs eaten or like the time clocked in the hot sun is offsetting the effects of booze making you feel like it's time to stop drinking anyway and at a point during the day just want something to taste delicious so I reach for the country time lemonade with a cap left off all day and then just allow the scorch of acid reflux to lull me to sleep that I'll never get because Grown adults are assholes that like to scare dogs and children and set off fireworks, even if they're illegal. And if you can imagine, even if you're in a city where it's genuinely concerning how indiscernible they are from the rampant gun violence we deal with in some parts of this country. So, you know, gotta love that Yankee Doodle Dandy. This random Thursday app is uh, twofold, I guess, because one, last week was heavy and uh, a lot. and And I also just wanted to do something before the weekend. If you wanted to hear my follow-up thoughts on the Caroline Calloway episode, I did like a kind of recap debrief on uh, patreon.com slash be there in five. Uh, but also per today, Thursday, June 29th, you gotta love iPhoto. I, it alerted me that it was um, two years ago today, around the time at night that I'm recording this, um, that I put out an episode called The Losses We Share. That was an episode I recorded very off the cuff about a pregnancy loss very vulnerable, but I get people reach out about it a lot. And the reason that means something to me is because that obviously wasn't the episode that was like, gonna get my advertisers the most sales. That wasn't like, gonna make me chart. That was like the biggest bummer I could have shared. But like the point of that and how I introduced it was like, I was in the uh, hospital and like, in a phase, the weird thing about pregnancy related incidents or news good or bad is is so much of it is marked by its secrecy and you can't always talk in depth to somebody you know personally 
And I was at, I was in the hospital alone. It was COVID. So Greg wasn't even in the room and I had my phone. I was waiting for results that I knew weren't good. And I, I looked to the internet. I looked to strangers. I found Meghan Markle's article, The Losses We Share, and thought it was an interesting double meaning of like, these are moments that we all experience and we're not alone, but also that she is publicly sharing for a purpose. I know we're on the fence about Markle right now. Lord knows her Spotify deal <laughs> since raged through my, a spy, the spine of somebody like me. Um, but what is so meaningful to me is that people send that episode to their friends who are going through something who maybe want to be able to have a really in-depth conversation with somebody who's been through it, but not have to respond, not have to have it be two ways, not have to take care of the emotions of the person that they're revealing their difficult news to. And I figured I should do one for pregnancy, too. I guess this would be more like the process we bear. <laughs> um, and if you're on Patreon and stuff, I, you know, I talk about pregnancy here and there. And it's not that I have like a totally like negative review, but I don't know. I just want to talk through some of this stuff lately that I'm just like, man, I don't want to be. You know, how every TikTok's like we don't talk enough about her. Nobody told me things that nobody told me about blah, blah, blah. I'm like, honestly, I feel like a lot of the stuff people did tell me. But what's crazy about it is you don't really get it until you're going through it. And I don't know. You know, I'm like so paranoid about. <laughs> OK, one of my complaints about pregnancy is feeling reduced to my pregnancy. And everywhere you go, people talk to you about it, especially when it's so obvious. It's like at a point I run out of things to say at a point I'm like, I don't know. I haven't met this guy yet. Like, I'm sure he's great. But like, I don't know if I feel this like Earth Mama connection. A lot of other women do. I don't really know what to talk about. You know, it's something that people want to tell you their birth trauma stories or tell you if you they you look ahead or behind them if you're carrying high or low, ask you if it's twins, tell you you're about to pop. And you're like, no, sir, I will pop you in the face, though, because I have about eight weeks left and I'm on this walk because if I don't occasionally get up and move, I am not convinced that in this simulation time is not standing still. If you want to have like a deli sandwich or a sip of wine or or, you know, even I've been out walking to Starbucks and somebody's like, oh, I was like, I had a venti iced coffee. It's like, I know my limits. I have a medical provider. Leave me alone. I'm not contracting listeria. Like, it's just the commentary all the time that your body apparently solicits is so maddening. And like, I think that I have this paranoia about even talking about pregnancy too much because I already feel reduced to it in real life. But at the same time, um, I don't know. I think I was always looking for examples of people that like, weren't that into it but like got through it anyway and i just want to have this be a part of this series and meet someone where they're at if they wanted to hear my my thoughts on it at any time i brought up like how the hell do people do this more than once repregnancy everyone says you forget you forget you just completely erase it from memory i don't know if it will behoove me to uh you know give a status update in my third trimester you know alternate title this is me third trying but at the very least i'll be honest with you and tell you as i've tried to along the way uh how you know kind of not maternal on the fence person has felt in the process of deciding then trying then losing then conceiving and now close to the finish line of my gestation era I've had my due date moved up. I'm measuring ahead, but I don't think they're going to move on my due date anymore. I'm not telling people what it is. It's in August, but um, I, I just, 
I've had friends that are on the internet tell people their due dates and then people, anytime they're like a little MIA away for a few hours, don't post for a day, people are like all up in their grill asking if they've had the baby. And I just kind of, I don't know, I don't want the pressure. And I'm sure if I go past my due date, I'll already be having a bit of a time, you know, in the August heat. My actual due date and my the way that uh, my bump and baby are measuring is somewhere between 32 and 34 weeks as I talk to you. And I think that uh, it's important to be able to be an example later on once I have some answers of like, okay, this is how she felt or this is what was happening. And like, it still turned out okay. Um, I don't always believe people when it turned out okay. And they're like, no, I wasn't sure if I wanted a kids. And I'm like, but how not sure? Because I was like, really not sure. Or like, how did, much did you think it was never going to happen? Because like, I really thought it was never going to happen. Um, but I, I didn't think know if it was going to be okay then. I didn't know if it was going to be okay when I was doing egg retrievals. I didn't know if it was going to be okay when I first found out I was pregnant. And if I'm being honest, I still don't know if it's going to be okay now because I don't know if I can survive six to seven more weeks of like doing something as simple as rolling over in bed or on the couch. I'm Right now I'm at about a five-point turn. It is involved. Okay, this morning, <laughs> I was sitting on my couch this morning, and I think there's something funny about how you're just trying to, like, carry on and still be yourself, but you're kind of going through this really important process that snaps you back to reality very quickly, especially when you think something, like, might be wrong. And I'm existing in this dual reality of, like, caring so deeply and so much about something, being very concerned about it and obsessively researching it and anticipating it a lot, but also doing something like the dumbest shit imaginable while I, while I putter around my house and avoid socializing and just like try to still feel like myself. Last night in my head, I was calling this the, um, you know, Braxton Berrios to Braxton Hicks pendulum uh, because I was deep diving uh, Sophia Culpo her thinking, I guess, that Braxton Berrios, NFL player for the Miami Dolphins, honestly, not on my radar outside of this drama. He's now dating Alex Earl and I guess Sophia Culpo, sister of Olivia Culpo, former Miss Universe, ex of Nick Jonas, current fiance of another NFL player whose name I'm forgetting. I th I'm pretty sure it was during the period of time in early January where my podcast was like one kind of giant cry for help where I was trying to meet my book's deadline and was pregnant and had COVID, but you didn't know about the pregnancy piece. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you dropped off at that point. Um, I found the Culpo sisters. Was it January? I don't know. It was sometime when I was like having a tough week, needed some A plus reality TV. And by A plus, I mean D minus. Like Danny Pellegrino says zero stars, five stars. Like that, those, those two ratings can be true, depending on your needs at that point for the quality of the program. And the Culpo sisters kind of reminds me of, it's like I always like a reality show on kind of an off-brand network about a family or f like couple or family dynamic. You know, your Joan and Melissa's, your Juliana and Bill's. I mean, I, I used to be into Kimura Life in the Fab Lane. I think I even watched My Fair Brady uh, with the guy that played Peter Brady and his short-lived marriage to Adrian, winner of season one of America's Next Top Model. I'm not picky. So the Culpo sisters is about Olivia Culpo and her two sisters who are these who are so beautiful and also influencers. And she is like a smoke show of a brother. 
It kind of has Kevin Richardson energy. I don't know. It's a long story. And I might be misplacing that. Um, But it's just, I don't know. It's like nothing happens. Like most of these reality shows. But I just was kind of enamored. I watched the whole thing in like almost one sitting. And I was like, this family is unbelievable. Her parents are kind of like charming and traditional. And the whole family is insanely talented. Like they all play orchestra instruments at like an elite level. Olivia is apparently this incredible cello player and her mom's like a place for the Boston Symphony. They all have insanely beautiful singing voices. And I Olivia Cobble is one of those people that I've always looked at her face and thought, it seems rude that God would spend that much time on one person's face. Like, save some bone structure for the rest of us. You know, which, as a potato head, I feel justified in saying. I don't know. I, I was charmed by the whole thing. Anyway, I have really nothing to say other than um, weirdly, Sophia Culpo is on my radar, <laughs> and she was so serious about Braxton that spoiler alert. Fast forward if you're if you're if you don't want to know how the Culpo sister season ends. I'm pretty sure it ends with Sophia, um, moving in with Braxton, and they're like very serious. So then we see all these videos of Alex Earl parting it up in a white crop top at some event in the Hamptons Palm Festival, maybe, and it's kind of like her and Braxton being public and then uh, Sophia Culpo kind of she just she says she makes one video then deletes it and it's not really that big of a deal but it, I think people kind of implied from it that Braxton cheated or the timeline was confusing then Braxton got on his Instagram and was like very mature about it and was like I had a good healthy relationship it ended after two years and then got in another relationship blah, blah. so there's like really no drama but then in very 2016 fashion, when we were all saying words like receipts, she, Sophia, like posted receipts that they were like still together in February, even though he said they ended in January. And all the while, I I genuinely do not care about either of these people, but I spent a tight 40 doing a deep dive. But then what I mean with the Braxton Berrios or Braxton Hicks pendulum is like, I, I try to kill time doing stupid shit that makes me feel like me because a lot of the pregnancy related stuff is just like a lot and it's a lot of anxiety sometimes a lot of body dysmorphia sometimes it's a lot of pain and discomfort and i just you know i'm trying to find balance but like i'm brought back down to earth so fast when i like notice a pain or something feels weird or honestly like my biggest issue with the third trimester so far and i don't know if anybody can relate to this who has an anterior placenta but this this happens sometimes I have a really hard time with fetal movement. It's very, very muffled. It's pretty inconsistent. And I'm at the point now where they need you to like count kicks pretty closely and like, you know, basically go into triage <laughs> just to be sure if fetal movement like slows or the kicks lose strength or whatever. And every, you know, consult your doctor. Every OB is different. But I feel lucky because a lot of you actually have reached out after I've shared this on Instagram saying like you had trouble with movement like the whole time and it just wasn't consistent or strong enough for you to track it in a way that eased your anxiety and well again listen to your provider for what they expect and go get it checked if you're nervous it's always better safe than sorry i will when i'm like really not paying attention or getting lost in something the kicks the movement is so subtle that i'll go a whole day and be like wait did i feel my baby move today and then i panic and then so like most of my nights are now spent there they tell you to like lay on your side for 30 minutes after drinking juice and i have an app and you like count how many long it takes you to get to like 10 movements or whatever. Uh, but you have to like really focus. And sometimes I don't know if it's a phantom and 
And it's crazy when I go get an ultrasound, the baby's just like, you know, full on doing like a hand drive and I can't even feel it. Anyway, so (laughs) that's been like a really stressful part of it lately that I, I kind of reminds me of the first trimester. You just kind of go through each part thinking like, okay, are we in the clear yet? Good. But each phase, you forget about the last one and each phase has its new uh, series of concerns. And it's just kind of interesting that I didn't know that for some people, fetal movement wasn't like as straightforward. And I just, that is like my life right now. And it's a weird pendulum to operate within. And um, it's like, I can speak so casually about this pregnancy too, but the second you think something's wrong, you like freak, I I absolutely freak out. Um, So yeah, that's what I spend most of my nights doing. And um, I spend most of my days just like working and working as I usually would. Um, But like interspersed with these, sad and or sometimes comedic moments where I will completely forget that my I have incredible physical limitations currently and then you just do not feel like yourself whatsoever and if I engage with too many things that make me aware of my limited mobility that's kind of where I start to feel a little like depressed and trapped like this morning all I tried to do was sit on the arm of a sofa and with like a micro movement, like I, I mean, nothing even happened. It was perhaps a, a light zephyr from an air vent. For some reason, I lost my balance just sitting on a normal height sofa armchair. And I full on Humpty dumpty in a big, big way where I haven't maybe felt that level of a loss of like, I, I don't, I can't engage my core right now. My center of gravity is so off. If I tip over, I have no ability uh, to do anything but roll and see what happens. And my husband was in his office on a call, and I'm like, this is <laughs> like, I wish I had video footage. Like, the way I rolled back and then, like, rolled off the sofa was, like, the craziest moment to me of, of impacted mobility that I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. And then I got up, and I was in front of my big mirror and I'm wearing a bright green sports brown, bright green bikers, the target all in motion set. If you know, you know. And I was like, holy shit, I am just, I am an egg on legs. There's no reason why I even bought this outfit other than if I was subliminally channeling the only type of aspirational sexy I could even dream of right now, which is, of course, the green M&M. I don't look like myself. I don't feel like myself. I just had to armadillo roll to get myself off of the couch from tipping over for no reason and i'm just like this is nuts like this is it's crazy if we talk about this like this is blissful because this experience is just so bizarre on so many levels okay when i was registering for baby items like the thing i saw constantly was the hatch rest and i am currently a proud new owner of the hatch rest second gen And even though I don't have a kid yet, I'm using it for me and to drown out noises so my dog Tugboat doesn't overreact. But I, I, this just makes a ton of sense for a baby. The Hatch Rest is an innovative all-in-one sleep device designed just for kids, (laughs) even though I'm currently using it. It's both a sound machine and a nightlight that grows with your children. And during the newborn stage, Hatch helps make for a soothing and comfortable sleep environment with continuous sounds like white noise, wind, rain, lullabies. I gather like in utero, they're like hearing a lot of, you know, it's a lot of muffled whooshing noises that I think this machine can help mirror or other soothing noises can help to kind of 
ambiently drown out other sounds that may wake them. And what's great is as your child or children grow, Hatch allows toddlers and big kids to build sleep independence with customized color and sound cues. I think this is so cute that there's a time for bed pairing and there are alerts that tell them when it's time to wind down with like the color or the sound. In the morning, they have a special time to rise signal that teaches them when it's okay to get out of bed for the day. And I've just been even thinking about like late night changings and stuff and having just nice low lighting that's not too jarring or colored lighting if I want with the sound machine built in too, because the piece of advice they keep getting is like the essential nature of sound machines. But just like that, this one is beautiful, has a light component, has different options, and I can operate it from my phone without going into the room. I need to adjust the volume level or whatever. Anyway, I'm sure if you are in this life phase, you've heard of it. The rest has helped over 3 million babies and parents get restful sleep. It's no wonder that it's consistently a top baby registry item. And right now, Hatch is offering our listeners up to 15% off your purchase of a Hatch rest and free shipping at hatch.co slash be there in five. So if you're ready for improved sleep for your kids and yourself, go to hatch.co slash be there in five to get up to 15% off and free shipping. That's hatch.co slash be there in five. We're deep into summer now, and I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking about keeping my skin hydrated and healthy as temperatures warm up. And when I tell you I am but a dunk tank of Osea products, <laughs> Osea's brand new Andaria Collagen Body Lotion is a high-performance body moisturizer that absorbs instantly and delivers lasting hydration without stickiness or residue. One of my biggest pet peeves is like kind of ta- I have tactile issues with how things feel. And when things are greasy, when they take too long to absorb, when they get on my sheets, when they get on my clothes, it drives me nuts. This is this is what makes Osea, sets Osea apart from other brands. Their products really do absorb instantly and deliver very lasting hydration to the point where like I can get a couple days out of a good lotion sesh, whether I'm using their Andaria Collagen Body Lotion, their Andaria Algae Body Oil, or their Body Butter. Because Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Care line is backed by pretty impressive clinical results, like an instant increase in skin hydration and visibly firmer skin in just four hours. I've been mixing the lotion with like self-tanning drops, and it's just like part of my routine. It's just so lightweight and instantly absorbing. And I don't know, I I feel like myself again for a moment because it brightens your skin for the healthy, youthful look I'm always going for when I'm trying to hydrate. All the kids are talking about like glazed donut face. I kind of want glazed donut legs. I don't know. To put it on seconds before putting on your clothes without worry is truly a gift. And I needed to spread the good word. So get hydrated, healthy skin for summer with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code be there in five at oceamalibu.com. But that's not all. Get an extra 10% off plus free shipping when you have your favorite products delivered on repeat with their subscribe and save program that I'm a part of because I go through this oil very fast. Head to oseamalibu.com and use code be there in five. Head to oseamalibu.com and use code be there in five. And what's kind of funny about pregnancy, it's, it actually isn't a like, nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about that. I actually do think that people, at least in recent years on social media, on the internet and stuff like are pretty honest about how rough pregnancy is to the point where it was so negative. I, like it wasn't appealing to me. And then I get confused for how to talk about it because I don't want to fill somebody with dread like the worst is yet to come. I think the most important thing you can know is that it's very, very different for everybody. And my experience has not resembled anybody's, you know, to a T. But I can speak from someone who feels the tension and conflict of having fertility issues and wanting this and waiting a while paired with like not enjoying this whatsoever and how that can be very confusing to navigate the 
you know, desire to have gratitude transcend your reality. But I think that for a lot of this time, I've in not wanting to be negative and not wanting to talk about it too much and not in wanting to make sure people know that I'm grateful that I actually do want this kid. It's like you're just kind of adding to the discomfort by not acknowledging its existence. And I don't really know if I'm serving anybody by doing that either. But I'm not trying to be like doomsday and like, just you wait. That truly is one of the cruelest thing. I if I cannot stand people telling me to get sleep all I can. I'm not sleeping. Like, go away. Like, just you wait. Is, is, relax, Alexander Hamilton. Like, uh, we don't need to tell people in a tone that implies it is an inevitability that they may be miserable now, but they will soon be more miserable. It's just not truth. Like every, I really think that like, I've heard a lot of people say that newborn sleep is better than pregnancy sleep. I've heard the reverse and some people say that. Some people have a great second trimester. Some people have a great pregnancy tip to tail. Like there is just nothing guaranteed. And you just realize there's so much variability that no one person can give you a solid review that encapsulates like this is what pregnancy will be like. This is what you should anticipate. This is if you should do it or not. And when I was trying to figure out if this was something I wanted and I was like so afraid of pregnancy, I was like looking for somebody to tell me it would like definitively be great. And it's just it's not realistic. You're just going to have your own experience and no one can definitively tell you it's going to be terrible or rough, just like nobody can definitively tell you it's going to be blissful. I think we choose to hang on to whatever <laughs> whatever narrative helps us get to that point. And I think I was hoping to like turn into a more blissful uh, mama version of myself. But just like with anything in life, I, I have this problem where I assume there's a future version of me out there who's unaffected by the things that now bother me, who can rise above her own vanity or less ideal habits and be a better woman. I've always just pictured this older version of me being this person that doesn't deal with all the things I can't stand about myself currently. But then I get to that life phase and I'm like still me. So it's a funny thing where I think I was very scared of pregnancy compromising my identity, but my identity is still there. I'm just pregnant and complaining a lot more. So there's that. But I do think somebody in my position often falls into the trap and I and I have and I still fall into this trap constantly of feeling like a bit cornered into silence because I had trouble getting pregnant. And when you don't like being pregnant, you feel weird about it because you wanted to be pregnant so badly that you feel like this incessant need to express your gratitude should trump your desire to complain. But I also think that when things are difficult, we make them more difficult by insisting that we aren't allowed to have an opinion about them. What do they say? Like the avoidance of suffering is a form of suffering in and of itself. Some days I laugh about it and some days I'm in like a deep hole of depression. I'm showering in the dark. I'm crying about how my body looks. I'm looking at every stretch mark in varicose vein and very aware of my weight gain being higher than it's supposed to be. Like I laugh, but I fully have stopped socializing. I don't have fun going out. I don't feel like myself. I don't feel cute. I don't like being going somewhere for a while and not having a comfortable place to sit and then it, drawing attention to myself through my ample grunting that I don't even notice I'm doing. I don't really sleep. I, I sleep in like 90 minute increments. I take still take Unisom, but I, it kind of just makes me groggy and makes it hard to work the next day. And, you know, it's like I'm grateful and 
excited, but I'm in day to day, hour to hour. It's it's just it just feels like it's never going to end. And I guess if you're at this point, you're listening to this and you feel like it's never going to end, like you're not crazy. I feel that way right now. And, and I know that it will, but it the way that time passes is just so different right now in this phase of extreme discomfort and such uncertainty ahead. And beyond that, the 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 end point of this part that's so hard on you and so uncomfortable, it's not like you return back to normal. It's like a whole other unknown. I'm I'm deeply grateful with each quick appointment because quick means a healthy one, right? That's even annoying to go to because they spend zero time with you. And I'm I'm grateful to keep making it farther and farther unscathed, but I, I'm not measuring my days uh as like a Christmas construction paper ring <laughs> countdown with this you know, hopefully anticipation. It's just like, you're so in the thick of it. You can't even imagine being out of it that my days are measured between bowls of honey nut Cheerios. And like lately, I'm in a popcorn phase right now, but I bought off of Amazon that like radioactive yellow flavicol powder they use in movie theaters. It's like butter powder. I I don't think it might be all chemicals. I I, I don't know. It's delicious. I'm craving it. And and. All the while, then I sit down and I'm like, am I the worst? Like, is this baby brought to you by Yellow 40? Is like that even okay? But I'm just trying to like, it's like, okay, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. If I have a craving, I'm going to have it. Like, I just, whatever. Like, people have been doing this forever. I, I can't imagine this baby could be having that bad of a time. If it feels like it's at a Regal Cinemas or better an AMC. And basically, it's Nicole Kidman just greeting, g- greeting it to the theater <laughs> with some, some, buttered powder uh and the the main event will start any moment now i i don't know you guys what am i even talking about it's just a really weird place to be in and i guess i just wanted to say on the record that you know typically there are 24 hours in a day seven days in a week that the earth does indeed revolve around the sun um but i can confirm that when you are heavily pregnant time itself does stand still it it does not move. It does not budge. Days do not progress. I sit in the same moment, it seems, for hours, if not days on end. And I just, it, it, I guess it makes you realize what you prioritize. And maybe everyone's, not only is everyone's physical response so different to pregnancy and circumstances so different, but I also think that like everyone likes different things. Everyone feels like themselves doing different things. And I guess that this is just really impacted a lot of the things that like make me feel like myself and that make me look forward to things. And when I even I do have plans, I'm anxious about them a week leading up because I'm thinking about how hot I'm going to get blow drying my hair, how long it's going to take me to get ready, how I've expelled all that energy just trying to get to the place with friends that I won't even have energy to like be fun with them. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I just everything feels just hard and it it's making me very reclusive and i don't know if that's healthy but like i just i don't even i don't know i just want to hide <laughs> like because you know like i said earlier pregnancy your pregnancy is such a topic of conversation and you don't i don't want to be a curmudgeon and i am excited and i wanted this and it took forever and like i can't express that like this is 
something that is good and I'm looking forward to. But like, it's so hard for people to believe that when like, you're just not you. And I just am not feeling like friendly and bubbly and wanting to, I just don't feel like the way I talk about pregnancy, like is endearing to people. And um, I don't know. I, I think I was saying on Patreon, like I just, I've had not days, but like weeks where I just can't, I, I just don't want to get out of bed. Responding to a text feels hard. You do the work you need to do. And then you just are like, yeah, can I just sleep until this is over? Like I'm having more fun in my dreams. I'm having more fun in hypothetical scenarios where I feel like myself. But when I wake up, it's just like every day is the same. And the ways I would change up my days and add something to my life that helps me step out of my tendency for melancholia are things that are not as fun anymore, are hard to do, or that require me to be around other people that are going to ask me about this thing that I don't know how to talk about <laughs> because I just find it very unpleasant, even though the outcome will be great. I don't have that reality and joy and, and love in my life yet to to calibrate against this incredibly challenging process on my body. And maybe it's because I'm over 35. Maybe that's why they call us advanced maternal age. Maybe these bones aren't load-bearing anymore. I don't know, you guys. All I know is that I think this is, uh, it's it's like I'm, I'm fine and I've gotten so far and I'm so proud of myself, but it's also like pretty tough. And I'm, I'm so glad I put as, as much as I agonized over if I wanted kids or not, and if I should try or not, and as hard as it was, and as long as it took and blah, 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 I'm just so glad I wanted it. I'm so glad I was ready for it. I don't know what this would be like if it had happened quickly and I was thrown off guard. I don't know what it would be like if I didn't make that episode two years ago and I had a healthy pregnancy back then. This would have shook me to my core. And I do think that sometimes, and I can only speak for myself, but people in, in positions where you maybe do have trouble with fertility, like when you're dealing with that tension of wanting the gratitude to pierce through <laughs> the misery, and you kind of think about all the people you came across when you were trying to get pregnant and weren't, or when you were and then lost it, and how triggering it could be and frustrating it was when people were so unhappy or complaining or whatever, and it came easily to them. And you're just like, God, I would do anything to be pregnant. Like, it's it's just an endless mindfuck where, like, we find ways to make ourselves feel guilty and feel bad for how we're naturally responding to something in the current state we're in when we just don't know any better. And then I was jealous. And now I am grateful, but I am also miserable. And that's okay. I think I'm just trying to, like, let myself feel the spectrum of things because like we've talked about, it's just so, these conversations are so complicated and every, you know, you're, while you're dealing with your own experience, with your own joy, your own heartbreak and anything that comes between as it relates to trying to have kids or having kids or choosing not to have kids or whatever, it's like, we feel like we're not allowed to sit in whatever is true for us because of how it will make someone else feel. And while that is so important to be mindful of, I also think it was worse when I was lying to myself and just being like, this is great. This is great. I've gotten this far. This is what I want. It's like, no, this blows. And this, it's okay if this is a means to an end. I just, I don't think this will be my favorite part of the process. I'm sure I have many favorite parts of the parenting process to come, but this probably isn't it for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess I just wanted to say that I 
just have been getting more comfortable with being like, yep, this is a means to an end. And I just need to stop waiting to be like blissfully connected. And maybe I won't be. And that's okay. And then I think about like, okay, if my mom said on air that like she didn't love being pregnant with me or the labor was hard or she didn't, you know, like I think about being my kid and having this on the record. I'm like, I honestly wouldn't care. Like you hear stories about yourself being colicky or being a bad baby or a weird toddler or whatever. And I don't know. I, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, I don't really connect to that person I was as a baby. So I hope that, uh, if anything, I connect to my mom and, and I have empathy for her. And I don't know. I just, yeah, I hope that if my kid ever listens to the Childless Millennial series, they'll, they won't see it as a conflict so much as a very thoughtful process to make sure that I could be the best mom I could be and that I was right for the role. Um, but even still at every phase, I'm just like, wow, it's wild how bad you can want something and how much it sucks. And I just think if anyone out there is uh, feeling like it's not okay to say both of those things are true, I hear you when I see you, and I wish I could tell you time's going to fly and it'll be over as soon as you know it. But I, again, can confirm that time in this simulation does not move. So um, as of now, I'm not very hopeful. But I can say what I've learned throughout the past uh, several months is that you do forget quickly. You get, you, you become, you, it's like day to day, nothing really changes, but then all of a sudden everything changes and your body looks so different. You don't even know when it happened. And there are de- absolutely moments of joy and excitement, whether you're buying baby things or feeling first kicks or at an ultrasound. And there, there are plenty of moments of joy interspersed with the, the difficulty of the day to day. But yeah. This is me third trying. I'm not sure it's working. Uh, I'm excited for the next phase. And I think what is maybe if we're going to lobby for silver linings. Um, I am a lot less anxious about the baby itself because I'm just so excited to not be pregnant. <laughs> and I that is kind of a plus. Earlier on, I was just so nervous about the baby part when I wasn't as aware of the physical nature of this. The one blessing I could argue for is that it has taken a person that has been in their head for their entire life and forced them out of their head and into their body because I have no choice but to very much exist within my body right now. And uh, that has made my priorities change. I will say, I think one thing that surprised me that I really oversimplified when I other people were pregnant is that... Um, I think I thought that you really wouldn't care about what was happening to your body because it was like serving this bigger purpose. <laughs> and like when I tell you, I I really have not felt comfortable with the bodily changes at all. Like I think I mentioned showering in the dark earlier. Like I really have had some pregnancy body dysmorphia issues that have made me regress a bit in how I felt about myself and my body in a way that surprised me. And then I feel like vain even admitting that. But like the body changes are a lot. They're a lot. And you don't, and you look at other people and you don't carry like them. And if people point out to you that you, <laughs> the way you carry. And like I said, I mean, I'm grateful to my practice because they're way more concerned with like the process and the overall health and like pointing out the weight gain, even though I know I passed the threshold like pretty early on. But I think even just like dealing, it's it's not only like the shape and size and the you know the stuff that is probably not going to go away like the stretch marks and the veins and 
you know, the frisbee size nipples. It's like all these things are like, oh, the I want to think they're beautiful. I want to think they're beautiful so badly. And I feel so guilty that I don't. But I just I'm not there. It's it's it, it it's it's alarming to me. And I know it'll serve a purpose and maybe I'll feel differently about it down the line. But for me, it's like, how can you, you know, go through life feeling like there's such a surveillance of your body as a woman and paying so much attention to its shape and size and overthinking how it looks in clothes. And like, even when you think you're evolved, you maybe don't even realize that you're a, a product of this like oppressive framing of what your what beauty and body standards should be. And then like, this forces you out of it in a big way that makes you look in the mirror and and ask yourself like, oh, was I ever really evolved? Was I ever really body neutral and comfortable with the way my body just serves a function? Or am I like okay with it not looking a certain way? And I just, I have, there have been so many nights where I have like wept, I've been, been like, what the fuck is happening? I look different. I feel different. I tide pools operating under each boob. I don't even know what's growing under there. Sometimes I lift them and I'm like, <laughs> it's what? At a point they just rest there and I don't know, really know what to do about it. It's just so much sweat. Um, I look at TikToks of people that are, that do something cute like from behind and then turn around. You had no idea they were pregnant. And I am just like, oh, I am not this person. I thought I would be. Uh, I don't really have the energy or like interest in exercising nor the flexibility to even like combat feeling out of shape. And um some mornings I just feel like I'm aggressively gua shawing my facial swelling to try and, I don't know, Michelangelo myself, some cheekbones or a jawline. And some days I can successfully find it. Most days I can successfully feign it with a camera angle. Um, but I really just think that I'd be lying if I said my lack of desire to like socialize isn't affected by just not feeling very cute. And I hate that about myself, but how I feel like I look affects how I feel and act and um, getting dressed is so, so hard. Um, it's kind of like when you, once you find a uniform, you, you stick to it. But even my like beloved target bikers and sports bra with my oversized shirt, like the second I'm in heat, the, the entire thing's like wet. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how to talk about this, like with resolver in a way that won't trigger other people. I guess I just wanted to say that, um, I want to find all the changes beautiful, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I, I don't know. I, I wish I was like other people who saw it. And I don't want to say, I don't think other people are beautiful because when I say that I never even thought about this until I got pregnant because I do find other people so beautiful. I'm telling the truth. I, I, I've been so fascinated by the process that I have not thought about how they've felt while watching those changes happen. And I just think it's different when it's your body and you feel this immense loss of control paired with this fear of it never going back. But that's like the fallacy of, of aging. Like we, we get so stuck thinking we should all always be able to preserve or go back to a certain age that just like isn't sustainable. It's not reality. It's not what we're built for. Yet I, f I can't convince myself that I'm not failing by somehow straying from that impossible standard that was barely even true when I was the age it was appropriate for. And now it's most certainly not realistic. Yet I look around me and see other people that look a certain way and it just makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong. 
Um, and I think I just, I don't know. And I think that paired with when you are caring bigger people pointing out how you're bigger, not that being bigger is bad. It's just like, yes, I know, like I'm very aware. And it's just one of those things that when you're feeling self-conscious, the thing you want the most is to go unnoticed. And this is something that people bring up everywhere you go. And it's just, yeah, it's made me really reclusive. And I just, I guess I was surprised by that part of it. I've actually, to combat this, I've I've put much more effort into getting dressed and like shopping for clothes and stuff because it's just been so hard to feel good that when I find something I feel good in, I'm trying to go out of my way and like post it and talk about it in case other people need inspo. But because like one in every 16 outfits I feel okay in and um, I'm just trying to like, I don't know. I, I don't I don't want to hide, <laughs> but I also think I'm weirdly more comfortable posting on the internet that I even am like being like seen in person in a weird way. And um I don't know. I don't know. It's just I feel like weird and embarrassed and like just a version of myself I don't recognize and I know no one else cares, but again, I just this was something I didn't think I would care about again because I'm so grateful and I wanted this but it just it's a the changes can be alarming and I've kind of made the choice not to fight it and not to obsess over it and to you know we lean into cravings and if I don't feel like working out it's fine like I'm really going easy on myself and maybe by doing that making it harder on myself but this is hard as it is and I'm just choosing to not agonize even though I'm not necessarily like thriving, feeling good about myself, I'm also trying not to like agonize over making it better because it just is what it is and it'll be over eventually. And then I'll figure that out later. Not that I think women need to like bounce back or whatever, but I don't know. I'll get some lasers. Uh, I, I'll, like, uh, I have a whole list of things I'm excited to do uh, that I feel like empowered in doing, not because they're complying with impossible beauty standards, because anything honest to God that feels like my choice that I'm in control of following this process is something I'm very much going to indulge in. And I think you deserve to enjoy as well, because this is a process that like my body hasn't really been mine for a couple years now. And uh, I've just kind of had to let it be at the mercy of a lot of testing, two pregnancies, one loss, IVF treatments, a lot of hormones. Uh, I've I've had such a fraught relationship with it in terms of just my reproductive system and adding on top of it this like layer of self-consciousness I wasn't really expecting to endure. It's just like, fuck it. I Instead of trying to learn to love myself, I'm just going to change what I want and have a great time. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying that's healthy. <laughs> I also wanted to thank Base. I feel so lucky to be sponsored by Base because their bags and luggage are an overpacker's dream. And all I am doing is dreaming of days when I am overpacking and going on trips that do require me to leave my house. I, I, I just always wanted to be a person that has cute luggage, that has luggage that matches. It just makes me feel a bit put together. As I've told you guys before, their Weekender bag is very famous because it's so roomy. It has this bottom pouch that fits like multiple pairs endless pairs of like sandals, but multiple pairs of like lug soles and heels. And I, I mean, I sometimes will use it for dirty clothes when I'm on a trip. I It has a trolley sleeve that makes it easy to pop on a rollerboard suitcase. And I take it on like every single flight because it's so easy. Or I take their uh, backpack or diaper bag. In the back, you unzip it and it has like a full 
pads you roll out and you can set your child on and change them even as a spot for like wipes and stuff. I showed my sisters in law when I was with them recently and I was doing like a full QVC demo and they're like, what? Because <laughs> it's such a versatile bag. Their uh, rollerboard suitcase has like a memory foam thing underneath on the handle. So if it's heavy and you're dragging it, not only does it have the 360 wheels that makes it not heavy at all to drag, but also has memory foam that makes it comfortable on your hand. And I just I don't know. I Shay Mitchell thought of everything designing these products. What she was aiming for is to make sleek and affordable bags, luggage and accessories designed to help you travel effortlessly while still looking fashionable. The luggage comes in multiple sizes and colors. I don't I've the berry and like lime ones I've been seeing TikTok ads for are so cute. And you don't really have to worry about like wear and tear or miles because or in cargo, like mine looks the same as when I got it. And it has over 30,000 five star reviews. So you don't have to listen to me. And right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash be there in five. Go to basetravel.com slash be there in five for 15% off your first purchase. That's B E I S travel.com slash be there in five. God, I love my Joey in the milk card moment. Do you love aviators but hate how they always get tangled in your hair? Yeah, I know. Me too. There, there's got to be a better way. That has always been my problem with standard aviators. And I I can't, I, I honestly gave up on wearing them even though I love the look because the problem is if they get tangled on your head and ruin your hair, I've recently teased my roots. I then take them off my head and then what happens? I lose them. But Shady Rays has these super cute new tangle-free aviators and they're it makes too much sense. You get the classic aviator look without the messy hair because they have this cu- these custom patent pending nose piece that they designed specifically to avoid tangling. And I know it sounds silly, but you can really tell the difference being able to wear aviators and being able to put them on your head with no problem. The frames are lightweight, but they feel high end. I have a blackout lens with mine with a gold frame and they're just shiny and bright and beautiful. And I think what's so crazy is they're protection program. It's the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. What sunglass manufacturer is backing your lost and broken replacements? I'd argue the sunglass industry relies on loss and breaking. But if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they'll send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. And all the protection program details can be found at ShadyRays.com. And every purchase supports the Shady Rays Impact Program, which works directly with nonprofits and their communities to empower and make adventure accessible for everyone, from childhood cancer patients to young adults with serious health conditions, which I love. So there's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. If you don't love your pair, you can exchange for a new pair, return them for free within 30 days, and benefit from their protection program. And I don't know. It's just a, a solid product solving a problem I didn't even know I had, and now I am wearing these nearly every day. But I also bought some of their non-aviators, too, because they just have really cute glasses that fully black out my eyes, which is what I like. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Head to ShadyRays.com slash Tangle Free with code BETHEREIN5 for 30% off their best-selling tangle-free aviators and so much more. Save before they sell out and try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. ShadyRays.com slash Tangle Free with code BETHEREIN5 for 30% off. I feel like this is such a weird episode. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I try to give myself really short periods of time and deadlines and the inability to edit so I don't self-censor um but i know i should be more careful probably but i don't know I, I was just thinking about like two like two years ago on this very night the episode i published and like that feeling of utter hopelessness like things would never change two years is a long time and no time at all and if you told me two years then i would have been like what but now i'm like no that's weirdly now i'm like genuinely ready and now i have an appreciation for it i didn't then and I get why people say they forget because 
even when I think about how I think of how steeped I was in like fertility talk and egg retrievals last year. Totally forgot about it. Couldn't talk about it in detail if you if I tried. It just seems like it's long gone. It's kind of a crazy thing though because I already am forgetting. Like the first trimester was so marked by anxiety for viability, just trying to not feel nauseous. Um, it's weird keeping a secret, and then the second trimester. Weeks 12 through 18 are kind of a weird lull because you have so many appointments and no appointments and you're nervous the anatomy scan. Then third trimester, a lot of people like get more energy and feel like their best selves. Can't say that ever <laughs> happened for me. Um, sorry, I keep bark laughing. Um, I had something I hadn't even. So it's like, I think even if when people say nobody talks about this or nobody told us about this, I think there's so much variability that can happen that like you just don't. Things aren't on your radar. or You haven't heard people talk about things that can happen. And my biggest issue that is that I'm still dealing with, I think I've just found better chairs, better sitting positions, and figured out the worst triggers. I had really bad SPD and pelvic girdle pain like very early on, where I was just walking around being like, so I'm just supposed to move through this world as a person with searing pain, like my pelvis is being split in half? And like, it just comes with the territory. I just, I have trouble dealing with this stuff. It's like, yeah, that's pregnancy. And I'm like, oh my God. And then meanwhile, it's like, well, yeah, there is a cure for, you know, having pelvic floor pain. You can go to physical therapy. And I'm like, oh my God, great. And then it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> pelvic floor physical therapy includes uh, an elective appointment to go get fisted, essentially, and have your space really invaded. In a way that is painful and I'm sure will help, but I'm just like, oh my God, it just keeps getting worse. And it's uh it's a thing where I I did feel like time moved and I felt more normal earlier on. But in the past several weeks, it is a crazy thing where like days and nights bleed together and I don't you don't sleep well and like you know, I have to if I want a mat leave, I have to kind of work double leading up until I give birth. And it's just like I and I have to record my entire audiobook the next few weeks and I have more work to do in my life uh than I ever have. And I am operating at about mm, I don't wanna I'll, I'll be generous. I'm operating at about twelve percent capacity. And I just yeah, I'm in pain. I don't sleep. I feel like time is crawling and I'm grateful, but also like this blows and you don't even know who to complain to anymore because like yeah, I signed up for it, but I didn't know what it was going to be like when I got here. No, I wouldn't take it back. No, you can't help me. I, I, even with like the pelvic pain, unless you have it, I don't. Re you can't really explain it how severe it is to somebody. And if you want to hear me on like a hard day, like I think I cried about it on Patreon two weeks ago because, like, it really is bad. And um, I just think that it's an interesting experience where I don't know. I. I, at the same time that I think that like this is so profoundly uncomfortable, I can't believe to have have siblings. I would d need to do this more than once. Much less would I be. I don't even know if I'll ever be lucky to be able to do this more than once because getting pregnant was hard as is. Um, but I just can't even believe that women still work up until the end and are on their feet and are caring for other kids and like doing the most. And I just am like, oh my god, I they. I don't care how many times somebody told me it was rough and I just did not get it. I didn't get it. It's interesting to me how you think you've experienced kind of like, you know, we all have our moments. You break bones, you have migraines, you have gastrointestinal issues. Like 
you have period cramps. There are like universal experiences we, you know, have on a spectrum where we can like imagine the misery of certain types of pain. But things associated with pregnancy are new sensations that I'm actively having to Google scrounging keywords for like, you know, what's up with the searing pain below my pubic bone, comma, not menstrual cramps, not in labor, second trimester. You know, like I'm just always like, what is this? (laughs) And yeah, I guess it's just interesting to me because one of my biggest problems, honestly, like. I in in my life I can visualize most things. Like I really even when I was doing nothing of the sort and I was not this person, I could like weirdly imagine myself writing a book like the one I just did or speaking on a stage or you know, getting married. Um I like have a really specific image and like the, not to be a manifesting baby, but you know, you know when you like imagine your future, you imagine certain things for yourself. Um, not in a vision boardy way, but just in like a, this seems like a plausible path for me based on the decisions I would make. When I tell you that one of my biggest concerns was I could not even visualize myself pregnant. I just, I really did not think it would happen. It was like a big mental block. It did not seem like something I or my body would ever be able to go through. And, um, you don't want to say that out loud. I still shouldn't say that out loud. I, Ever since, you know, jinx truthers on the playground used to spook me from speaking things I want into existence or don't want, uh, then just to be, have to do a complete 180 when manifesting babe said things will only happen if you speak what you want into the universe. But then it's like, okay, well, if you speak truthfully and it's negative, you don't want to manifest that either. And I just think we play a lot of weird mind games when speaking honestly about our experiences, assuming that the things we say or the energy we put out will somehow determine our fate. But I just think that maybe serves to further silence us. And I want to say I'm this like all-knowing being that knew in my gut what was in store for my future. Uh, I want to say that I saw that same intuition now and I know what will happen to me as I move forward. But the reality is I had no fucking clue. And nothing I could have said or done then was going to manifest whatever happened now. I had no control then. Feigning that I had any control was just driving me more mad. And allowing yourself to believe that you somehow have this deep knowing of what will or won't happen doesn't always serve you. And oftentimes it's your anxiety talking about talking more than your intuition. I think I had so much anxiety around becoming a mom and so such a lack of knowledge about what it entailed and a lack of natural interest at a point to even understand more of it and a lack of experience that I kind of thought that I had this deep-seated knowing or understanding of what I would do with my life, but I'm grateful to have scratched the itch I did around the time of Childless Millennial because I think that wasn't my intuition at all. That was a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety, and I just think there are a lot of people out there that seem so like certain in everything they're doing, and then it would convince me that I was certain, but the reality for me I'm not a person that's like, if it's not a hell, yes, it's a hell no. I I, ha- I operate somewhere in between the two. And I do need time. And I do need to research. And I do need to think through things. And I don't think these massive life decisions like bringing life into this world are, are something we should be like flippant about. And nor feel ashamed for having the conversation. And 
I think at the time I felt so crazy for having so many complicated thoughts of for what was just so intuitive for some people. But now I'm like, so glad that I did that because otherwise this might have even been more shocking or, or challenging to endure. And um, yeah, I just think that, you know, the easier thing for me now, especially on the other side of pregnancy, is just to be like, yeah, always thought I'd have kids. Took a little while, then I had one. But I think that maybe what I wasn't listening to, paying attention to, seeking out before was like the more granular details of what this process looks like. And I'm grateful to people that share them to make you feel less alone. Um, and I'm still going into this really have no, I have no idea what to expect with motherhood. But I made a list, checking it twice. I painted, I hired a task rabbit to paint the nursery. I have a rug. I have a crib that's not assembled, but I'll get there. I have a bunch of clothes and things I've been blessed that other people have handed me down or I registered for that I am avoiding to launder until Kelly gets here because, you know, she says she wants to help. <laughs> that's just really that part. The laundering and organizing, I'm like, you know, yeah, hell yeah, I'll outsource. I'll take the help. God bless. Uh, I... I'm trying to just exist in my body and paying attention to how I feel and pay attention to the movement and do what I can to not feel anxious about how it's progressing because as flippant and uninterested as I can sound, the reality is everyone has their own way of showing they care. And I might not be able to articulate it in this like loving and blissful earth mama way that I hear other people and I'm envious of, but my way of caring is obsessively Googling every pain, every jolt, every movement is doing everything I can to make sure I'm okay and therefore the baby's okay. Uh, I've spent so much time researching products and registering for them and writing thank yous and trying to get stuff set up. And I spend my days, you know, pacing the floor, mostly to get my steps in because I don't feel like leaving my house. And that's mostly because it's just when you start peeing so much, it just it feels like even more of a chore and outside of the socializing part. But beyond that, it's like you're still you, but there's slowly a part of you that becomes a little more and more consumed with doing what you want. Sure, and prioritizing your needs, but uh, constantly calibrating that that is also what's in the best interest of and what is in the safety and well-being of this baby that like again I haven't even met yet but I'm doing absolutely everything for and um I think that in and of itself is important to pay attention to uh, when when and how you connect and how prepared you feel or your sentiment toward it or if you feel like it's a means to an end you're still doing the thing you're still getting through each day you're still feeding yourself and feeding it and making sure it's safely in there. And um, we all show we care in our own ways. And I feel like a, a lot more of a mom now than I, I did before, even though I still question if I'm even, you know, <laughs> a good fit for this role. And um, yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of annoyed with myself that I'm not feeling this all-consuming emotional connection. But life isn't like Savage Garden. I like the okay yeah I knew I loved you before I met you but like also that's a really unrealistic love song like Michael Bublé I just haven't met you yet okay well that that 
honestly, that's offensive to the person because that means you were in love with an idea of a human you projected onto somebody and not actually them. I know I will fall in love with my second young, young son just as I did with my first. <laughs> but it all still feels a bit foreign and a bit medical at the moment. And uh, yeah, I don't know, you guys. Oh, yeah, my list. I did make a list of the things um, I was excited about that I'm looking forward to. And actually, it kind of helped me to figure out in life that I don't really need all that much to be happy. I, I think I was overthinking this at first, but pregnancy in, impacting my physical being so much has made me realize that, like, these existential questions of, like, identity and shit just maybe don't matter. Maybe aren't the big of a deal. Because honestly, what I miss and what I, I'm getting excited about, I wrote down um, getting Botox. I also listed all the places I'll be getting it. I don't need to drag you into that. I'm getting an eyebrow lamination. <laughs> Walking to Starbucks without somebody talking to me. Wearing high-waisted denim. Sleeping on my stomach! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Having a spicy margarita and a bold yet unassuming red. Planning trips with friends. Being able to travel and lift my own suitcase. <gasps> the glamour. Um, going to concerts or live music without bathroom and or like exit paranoia. Frankly, my digestive system is looking forward to drinking less cow's milk. It is all I am craving and I'm choosing to see that maybe the baby needs calcium. Trying to like listen to my cravings. When I tell you I drink a lot of cow's milk, it's, it's alarming. I I basically been playing slap the bag with an udder. I, I just, it, it's I, it's all I want. I don't know why. I'm looking forward to being able to cuddle my spouse without feeling like that guy from Hey Arnold who breathed heavily over Helga Pataki's shoulders. I just, you know, he never says a peep and is so sweet, but I'm sure it is not desirable. I'm look, looking forward to looking cute, feeling cute. And lastly, I've said putting on socks, which does seem anticlimactic um but I, I i i can't sleep unless i'm wearing socks and um especially when you get into compression sock territory they're very tight socks they're kind of hard socks to put on and i just find this a part of my day that i don't really like oh and i'm looking forward to taking advil damn that's crazy oh what a joy to address pain can you imagine um but what's funny is all those things excite me to my core all those things can still be done post baby and the, yeah, this pregnancy kind of made me realize what makes me tick. And it's maybe not all the stuff with my identity and work and all the things I was like afraid of losing before that would change, that would fundamentally change me in some way. Like all that's kind of remained the same. Like I'm still chugging along, plugging along, plugging away, chugging along. Not sure. Uh, I'm still just moving forward. And a lot of the stuff, I I don't know, I still feel like me in all the same ways, but it kind of made me understand that my days are strung between like very small things that bring me joy that pull me out of melancholia and those are things I'll still like get to have in my life with a baby and ultimately I don't know again with my first young son I I think what I what I think about at night when I'm not sleeping <laughs> um is yeah how much life is going to change, but also like it really, what a gift it will be to get to experience something I love so deeply again, just like I did with Tugboat. I know that sounds insane, but if you have a pet, I know you understand where he is so annoying, but I want to cry every night when I watch him breathe because there's not a planet where I can imagine having existed without him being mine. And I know I'll feel the same way, hopefully stronger about my own kid. And I know the rest of it is going to be so hard in its own way. And people are going to tell me along the way how it's just going to get harder and harder. But I do know deep down that all the best things in life have taught me that loving them is easy and it, it makes it worth it. And 
you know, I'm officially very out of breath. And I, I even though I've been talking for what I, I assume I'll look up and it will only four minutes will have passed. How long is this episode so far? Uh, th- that's okay. I, it's fine if time's standing still. It's fine if I feel stuck in this moment. I've already waited for what feels like forever. And what's another six to eight weeks of five point turns and Humpty Dumpty falls and strangers in clinics billing my insurance to put their hand up my cavity like I'm a goddamn Christmas goose. Um, <laughs> it's just, I guess I wanted to say I'm, I'm, I might be okay, but I'm not fine at all. I can't believe I've gotten this far. I'm proud of myself. Never thought it would happen, but here I am. I'm so much farther than I was two years ago when I first did that episode. Uh, I'm so grateful to be here, but at the same time, I'm still me, and it's still comedically unpleasant and sometimes depressingly so. It can be all the things, and this episode was pointless and confusing. But TLDR, comparable to the Christmas goose I am, put a fork in me. I'm done. I'm looking forward to being done. Um, but I guess what's really cool in my heart of hearts is that I also know it hasn't even started yet. And I'll keep you posted along the way if you'll have me. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Stream of Consciousness. I hope you have a wonderful long weekend. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. Bye.